Good morning, Agape Baptist Church. The scripture reading for today is taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Now, once again, uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. The video just now was hilarious. I enjoyed it a lot. I hope that you were blessed by it too. Now, for all of you who are fathers in uh, Agape, I want to express my thankfulness to each one of you for stepping up to serve and lead your family during this time. I truly praise God for each one of you and may God's anointing and strength be about each of you as you continue to serve the Lord through leading your household. Now, I've got a few things to share with you this morning before we talk about the Lord's Prayer. This is the concluding sermon in the series. Now, this past Friday, you heard uh, Singapore has finally entered into phase two of the three-phase approach to resuming activities uh, safely. So now we're at safe transition. Now, we thank God for this progress. We want to pray against any spike in the infection. So let's be praying as a church, right? Don't pr pray against the second wave and also that further progress can be made moving forward. Now, for your information as well, the church has also received very specific information from MCCY with regards to what is permissible for religious organizations in phase two, right? Very specific information on numbers, the purpose of meetings and what we can do, etc. Now, basically, it's very encouraging news uh, for the church, right? You might have heard that the government actually allows worship services of about of 50 people maximum. Right, it's permissible in phase two, but with very, very tight and strict uh, regulations. So at the leadership level in Agape, we are in the midst of planning. So do pray for our church as we take specific steps moving forward in July. For next Sunday, we will continue with our service this way, but we will inform you of any upcoming changes soon. Uh, now, as we enter into phase two and more of us returning back to the workforce as well, I also want to formally announce that we are not continuing with our 8 a.m. morning live stream prayer through a chapter a day. Uh, I'm very glad that a number of you have found this very helpful, whether you viewed it live or whether you view it thereafter. A big shout out to all the special guests on Saturdays as well. It was good to see a few of you stepping up this way. Now, remember this initiative was actually intended for the circuit breaker when everybody had to be at home and we decided to extend that even through phase one. But now that we have reached phase two, the elders have decided that it's the right time to end this daily live stream. Now, but listen carefully, that doesn't mean that you should discontinue your prayer or your reading of a chapter a day. Now, for those of you who are doing a chapter a day, I strongly recommend uh, Joel Bickey's Family Worship Bible Guide again. It's a very helpful resource. So please do buy it and make use of it if you have not already. For the month of July, you will get to hear of other initiatives for our church. Um, as we've done in the years before, we're also going to be part of the nationwide Love Singapore 40-day prayer. 
and you'll hear more details about it next Sunday as well. Now, with all of that said, we're going to turn our eyes now to what Jesus has to teach us about prayer in Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 to 13. Now, over the last few weeks, we learned that prayer is fundamentally about a relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. I've unpacked the three petitions, each of which is focused on God, right? Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And rightfully so, but God himself must be the focus of our prayer in our relationship with him. Even our asking reflects that. It's first and foremost about God. But here in the Lord's Prayer, we see a shift midway. Jesus doesn't just teach his disciples to ask in relation to God. He also teaches his disciples to bring their own needs in three petitions before God the Father. And that will bring us all the way to the end of the Lord's Prayer. Now, when it comes to needs, many people assume that they know what their needs are. Like, for example, if I ask you, right, what do you, what do you need doing the most during this pandemic season? And then you may say, I need to get out of my house. I need to meet my friends. I need some fresh air. Right? A whole bunch of things are considered as needs. Now, whereas a child to a father, you definitely can bring those felt needs before your father. But listen carefully. In the divine father-human-child relationship, where there's an infinite gap between the wisdom of the father and that of the child, what do you think is the likelihood that the child doesn't quite know what he really needs? Meaning that the child perceives his needs in one way, but the father knows what his actual needs, his deepest needs are. How likely is that? Very likely, actually. It's like the child that cries out, I really need to watch the 11 p.m. show, Papa. I really need to watch. And then the father says, nope, you actually really need to sleep. You will be too tired because you have to wake up at 5.30 a.m. tomorrow for school. Trust me. So the typical child will bring all kinds of perceived needs before the father. And then the father would tell the child, I know what your greatest needs are actually. Now recall what Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 6 verse 8. He says to them before introducing the Lord's Prayer, he says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, I believe this is the truth that applies even when we fail to recognize our greatest needs. In other words, even if you ask only for perceived needs, your father knows what your greatest needs are before you ask him. Having made you and now also redeem you if you are a believer, he knows you better than you even know yourself. So for today, I want to unpack for you in this one sermon, the last three petitions in the Lord's Prayer. Because through it, you will find out exactly what your needs are and why you so need to ask God for them. Your prayer life will be sorely lacking if you ask for everything but fail to ask for these three things. You'll be missing out on something in your prayer life. Now, each of these three petitions can actually be a sermon on its own. They are different things. But I've decided to bring those three requests together in this one sermon because they all pertain more directly to our needs. So here are the three needs that you have that you must bring before your father in prayer. Each one begins with the letter P, right? the letter P. So you can remember it as the three P's that you need to bring before the father in prayer. You need to pray these three P's. Now I'll tell you what they are and then I'll unpack them one by one. The three P's are the following. Provision, pardon, 
and protection. Provision, pardon, protection. Those are your three needs. Uh, let me begin with the first P. All right, you must pray for this need, provision. Now in verse 11, we read this. Give us this day our daily bread. Now this petition is specifically for material provision, for physical sustenance. Jesus is not telling us to pray for daily bread in the spiritual sense of like reading a daily devotional, like the daily bread. Right? Have you read the daily bread before? Right? No, Jesus is not, is not talking about spiritual bread here. In the ancient world, bread stands for all of life's necessities and the means of supplying them. So bread covers all food, clothing, shelter. And in a larger sense, this prayer also covers money and the power to earn. Now, this petition doesn't mean that you are passively waiting for God to feed you while you do nothing. In the Bible, God commands us to be productive in our labor. And then He then graciously provides for us through our labor. So while we trust God, we're meant to be very hardworking, doing all that we can to provide for our families. That's a good thing. And that's why we still call the person who works hard to provide for the family the breadwinner. The breadwinner. But this request reminds us that all of us who are breadwinners are actually dependent on the Lord providing the bread. Jesus is inviting us through the Lord's prayer to come to the Father in dependence. We are so in need of God's provision that we're not just asking it occasionally or monthly or weekly, but daily. Daily. This is not a request that you ask when you are just jobless or retrenched or struggling financially. This is a request that you make even if you're one of the richest men in Singapore. It doesn't matter actually whether you have very little or you have a lot. Jesus says, don't forget to pray for your daily bread. If you pray for God to provide only when you're desperate or when you have a lack, it means that your dependence is actually on the savings in your bank account, in your property, in your investments, and not in your heavenly father. It means that you think deep down, it is your hands that have truly won the bread rather than your hands receiving the bread from your heavenly father. Now, Apostle Paul understands this very well. That's why when he taught Timothy, he said this, told Timothy to tell this to the rich in 1 Timothy 6, 17. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Now, this COVID-19 season, a lot of people in Singapore have been retrenched or struggling financially. And some of you might be in this category too. Now, if that is you, cry out to your father for his provision. He hears your cries. But here Jesus is teaching all his disciples, not just those who are experiencing lack, but every one of us. Pray for your daily bread. This is one of the deepest needs that we must not neglect asking. Ask yourself this question. Do you pray daily, regularly for God to provide for you? Or have your confidence shifted, like so many in Singapore, subtly shifted to how much you have accumulated, how much security you have in your job, how much savings and income you have to tide you through COVID-19? It's like you're calculating and thinking like, it's okay, I don't think I need to pray for my daily bread. I've got more than enough, not my problem. Somebody else needs to pray that prayer. No, if you privately think this way, 
you may not have a financial problem, but you have a heart problem actually. Now, if you are a student, you are a young child and you don't have any income, you only get pocket money, allowance from your parents. I want to tell you this because it's so important for you to hear this and know this even right now. You won't, you won't hear this in school. The truth is this. The Christian with only $2 and the Christian with $2 billion have the exact same hope to the same degree. It is their heavenly Father who provides for them. Like God's manna from heaven for his people during the time of Exodus from Egypt. Like Jesus who provided bread for the 5,000. Our Lord cares not just for spiritual well-being, but also for our physical well-being. So Jesus is teaching us this church, you must live in daily dependence on the provision that God gives. He is saying, come to your father in a spirit of humility, asking him to provide for what you need to sustain you from day to day. This is not a prayer that leads you to demand and say, then show me the money, Lord. I've been praying for so long. There's no change. No, it is a prayer that actually leads you to realize if the Lord had not provided for you and your family, all of you would have died even of hunger in poverty long ago. That's the truth. So even as this is a petition and an admission of dependence, it is also thanksgiving. Because the moment you ask, give us this day our daily bread, you are immediately led to give thanks that your father has graciously provided before and he will continue to provide. Now, church, one clear sign that we know God truly, we recognize him truly as a provider, is that we are faithful in giving our tithes and offering regularly, monthly. Give in faith because you know God as your provider. And in Agape, I've been very encouraged this year to see so many of you, all of us, giving unto the Lord faithfully. It's clear evidence for me that you know God as your provider. And I praise God for that. So that's the first P that Jesus tells us to pray for, provision. And we must remember to ask for it. The second thing, you need to pray for this need. Pardon. You need to pray for pardon. Verse 12 reads, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, through this verse, Jesus tells us we have a need to be pardoned. And we need to, be, we need to ask to be pardoned. Now, in the, in the Bible, you will realize there are many words that can be used to refer to sin. If you remember Pastor Nan's sermon on Genesis 3, a number of months ago, about sin, he mentioned that many ways to talk about sin. Law-breaking, rebellion, pollution, missing the mark, trespasses, transgressions, etc. But the word that Jesus chooses to emphasize here in this particular version, Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, the word that he chooses to emphasize, the word for sin, is debt. Not a financial debt, but a spiritual debt. And the word choice here is significant because what Jesus is stressing here is that we owe God total, tireless loyalty, zealous love for him and all his people every day, the way Jesus lived his life. And our sin is a failure to do so. In other words, we have an IOU that we fail to pay. And I owe you to family, to loved ones, to friends, to others in the church community. Now, this is a very helpful perspective because sins are not just sins of commission, like trespasses, 
that we have committed. Sometimes when we think about sins, we tend to think only of wrongdoing, explicit wrongdoing alone. For example, if someone asks you, how have you sinned today? Right? Or how have you sinned this past week? You may just be thinking, right, how have, have I done any wrong things this past week? Now the truth is that is more than that. Here in verse 12, the word debt also brings to mind sins of omission, meaning the good we ought to have done but left undone. And honestly, no one is an exception. You have never truly been convinced that you are a sinner. Consider this. All of us have good that we ought to have done that we left undone on a daily basis. We are far more selfish than we think. And here in this prayer, when Jesus says, forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, he is connecting what we owe to God and what others owe to us. Now, practically, it means this. Whenever you find yourself angry, upset because of unmet expectations, like why couldn't this person be more sensitive to me? Why doesn't that person do that? Or why can't this person love me better? Whenever you are hurt by those you deem your debtors, those who have not done the good you felt they should have done to you, Jesus is teaching us, his disciples, begin with your own heart. Begin with your own heart. Jesus is inviting you to pray. Father, I know I too could have done this for others, but I didn't. I could have loved better, but I did not. I could have spoken more kindly, more patiently, but I did not. Forgive me. And now in the same way you forgive me, I forgive this others too. Now listen very carefully. Jesus is not giving a condition for forgiveness when he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgive our debtors. It's not like you can be forgiven only to the exact level you forgive others. That would be frightening. On the surface, it sounds like that, but that's not what it means. Rather, Jesus is teaching us that the heart that seeks forgiveness is necessarily a heart that also grants forgiveness. It's a necessary fruit of our repentance. It's like the parable of the unforgiving servant that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 18. When you know the amount of debt that this king has released you from, you wouldn't tell someone who owes you far less to pay anymore. Now, this may not feel easy in cases of deep, deep hurt. For some of you, whenever the word forgiveness is mentioned, you may already be choking with emotion. There may be immediate things or people that come to mind. Now, when I was in my early 20s, I came across this particular book on account of what happened in World War II. I've never forgotten uh, what I read. I've never forgotten reading how some of the surviving members of the Polish church struggled with the Lord's Prayer after World War II. Now, the Lord's Prayer seems so easy to just say or recite, but for them, whenever they thought about the atrocities, the brutalities they had experienced under the Nazis, they found the prayer so hard. So they were praying this line at one time in the church. They were praying the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debt, as we also have for, and they choked, as we also have for, they just couldn't complete that sentence. All the flashbacks of the rapes, the murders, the tortures, oh, how they struggled to complete that line when they thought about the suffering at the hands of the Nazis. In their case, it was, not, it was actual trespasses against them. 
beyond the human basic courtesy of respect owed to them. Now our Father knows in this broken world, forgiveness is not easy. That's why we are taught to bring this before Him in prayer. Forgiveness cannot just remain a private thought in your mind, like, okay, I think I'll just forgive that person. It must be brought out verbally in prayer. Now, for some of you, you may have a different issue. You may not be struggling to forgive others, but you may be condemning yourself. You feel that you're beyond forgiveness. The Lord's Prayer is a reminder here. Nobody is beyond forgiveness. No matter the evil you have done, no matter the good you have not done, no matter how big of a mountain your debt is, the record of debt, the I-O-U is cancelled by Jesus Christ on the cross if you would only believe in Him. And that's the good news. That's the good news. And this good news actually answers indirectly the question why the people, so many people have but never dared to ask about the Lord's Prayer. For Christians, we know that we have received forgiveness to Jesus already who have given His life to us. And some of us wonder, if so, why do we still need to ask for forgiveness for what we have already received? Why do we even have corporate prayer of forgiveness every Sunday, right? We mentioned just now, forgive us, Lord. Why ask? Haven't we already been forgiven? Isn't it like, like pointless? Wouldn't God just reply, I've already forgiven you. Why do you still keep asking for forgiveness? It's already given. Now, do you know why it still makes sense for us to ask individually and also as a church for forgiveness? Now, here it is. Listen carefully. The answer is found in the relationship that we have with God. It's the difference between God as a judge and God as your father. Now, for God as your judge, you stand before him in Christ as a justified sinner. But for God as your father, you stand before him in Christ as an adopted child. Now, remember, church, the Lord's prayer is a family prayer. It's for relationship between you and your heavenly father. So even though you no longer need to ask for forgiveness from God as your judge, since you're already justified, you need to ask forgiveness as a child from your father. You are not a convict telling the judge, please pardon me. If that's all you are, yes, the judge would say to you, I've already announced my pardon to you. You don't need to ask anymore. Instead, remember, you are a child of God. It's like you're saying, you know, sorry, please forgive me to your parents. And your papa and mama would say, you know, we always love you. We will always forgive you, right? We're proud of you. We love you. Now come closer. Let papa and mama hug you. It's a reconciliation. Now through this process, there's a restoration, a strengthening in that strained relationship. And this is why Jesus teaches us to pray for forgiveness. It is because prayer is relational. If prayer is not about relationship, you wouldn't even need to ask for forgiveness anymore after you know that you have been justified already. In other words, forgiveness is a human need for all sinners, Christian or not, but it is an ongoing need that takes on a deeper significance as a child of God before his father. As God's child, you need to pray to be pardoned. And as you pray so, bring others whom you need to forgive before your father as well. So now you know we've got two needs, one for provision, one for pardon. And then Jesus says in this third thing, 
we've got one more P. The third thing you need to pray for, the third need you need to pray for, you must pray for protection. You must pray for protection. In verse 13, Jesus says this, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, there are obviously two parts here. Lead us not into temptation, that's the first. And then deliver us from evil, that's the second. But they're all part of the overall same petition. And when you think about this request, you will find that many Christians do pray for deliverance from evil. But far less frequently do you hear Christians pray for God not to lead them into temptation. And I think part of the reason is because it sounds very strange, right? When you hear it. Why would God even lead us into temptation? Like, isn't temptation a bad thing? Why would a good God lead us into a bad thing? Now, it sounds awkward. It seems so senseless that it feels awkward to pray for it. In fact, James says this very well in James 1.13. He says, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Now, if that's the case, it sounds like God has nothing to do with temptation. So what does lead us not into temptation even mean? Now, listen carefully again. This is so important. Now, the word trial, test, and temptation, these words, is represented by the same Greek word, but it takes on different meanings depending on the context. It's helpful for you to notice. So when you come to the Lord's Prayer, right, God does bring circumstances into our lives to test us to purify our faith. We need to remember that. It's like what is happening right now with COVID-19. The church worldwide is being tested. And how would the church respond? How do we respond to this crisis? Will we cling on to his promise? Will we continue to stand firmly on the foundation? So that's actually a test for the church and also for ourselves individually. And the Lord does bring us to be tested. In Genesis 22, where Abraham was told to sacrifice his son Isaac, we are told God tested Abraham and it's meant for good. God ultimately intends good to the testing of his people. So it's like a driving test. It's a good test or like a common test for those of you in the school, even though you may not feel like it. It's a good test. It's God's way of teaching us and growing us. But as we are tested, right, as God brings us to be tested, there is this darker side that emerges. And Jesus is saying that we should pray that God will not allow the test to become temptations in the sense that we are induced to evil to sin. Now, this line that says deliver us from evil in some other translations is translated as the evil one. And I believe alongside many others that this is actually a good emphasis, right? Understood this way, Jesus is teaching us to say, Father, protect us. Stop us before Satan can turn your test for doing good into this temptation for doing harm. Now, Jesus knew from experience how a test can be a temptation, even as he taught his disciples this. Remember when Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days? Who led him there? He was led by God's Spirit there, right? It was a test that God intended. Yet at the same time, who was there? Satan was there to tempt Jesus. The test of God to prove his righteousness was seized by the devil to tempt Jesus to sin. And we know that Jesus passed the test 
perfectly. He did not fall into sin, even as the devil sought to induce him to evil. And Jesus, who knows our frailties, our weaknesses, is teaching us this. We have a need for such spiritual protection. Now, be very careful, church. This pandemic could have led you and me to experience greater challenges at work or a heightened degree of loneliness. But even more significantly, the COVID-19 test could easily become a COVID-19 temptation to despair or to be deceived towards idolatry or sin. Now for us as a church, as we go through this testing period, this could be a temptation as well, a temptation to be divided. You know, I mentioned just now earlier, there are, as we enter into phase two, there are so many possibilities regarding how and when to, rega- to regather. And across the church, there will be some who have health concerns about coming back to church physically. And they'll be thinking like, let's not meet together so soon. Let's not regather so soon. Let's wait out and see what happens. And there are those who can't wait. It says, we should come back together. We should come back together. The church must assemble. There will be some who feel want to see uh, the chance to connect even more online. They think, you know, let's make use of the online platform. While others feel that they're tired of Zoom meetings already. I don't want another Zoom meeting. You may literally break into a cold sweat when you imagine Jesus saying, in my father's house, there are many breakout rooms. Now you see, church, the temptation this season will be for us to judge one another, right? Not just in Agape, but across churches, right, in Singapore. Like, why do you think this way? Why do you think that way? And that divides the church. That's the devil's plan. That's the devil's plan. Whereas what is God's plan? God's plan is as the church is tested, as agape is tested, for agape to be agape, to shine in love and unity. And even when we disagree, to always learn to reflect His grace to one another. And by doing so, clearly we've done well in this test. Now, ultimately, the reason the devil can induce any of us to evil is because of the evil residing within our own hearts, our own self-centeredness, our own self-righteousness. And Jesus is teaching us not to be complacent, assuming that we're well and won't stumble, but rather to cry out in needy dependence for God's protection and deliverance. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, this COVID-19 season, we honestly need this prayer far more than we think. I believe the Lord is teaching us to pray that. In our asking, we need to cling on to the promise of God to protect us. Now, just like the other two needs, provision and pardon, God promises to provide. God promises to pardon. God promises to protect too. But he wants us to ask him, for it is in the asking that we not only receive what is promised, but also realize how we are in need, how much we are in need of God himself. Now, let me close this way. Now, after these three petitions, these three requests, there's one last line in the Lord's Prayer. I mentioned in my very first sermon that it may or may not be in the original but it most definitely brings the right focus and emphasis back to God again. And the line reads like this, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now what is this? This is the language of praise, right? Affirming all that this, all these things belong to God. 
Now, simply put, it means, God, you rule over all. God, you are powerful to change lives. God, you are glorious. You're worthy of praise. Now, this is a very fitting ending because even all the personal requests I mentioned, I taught you today, provision, pardon, protection, they're actually connected to God himself still. Now, you see the entire prayer, actually, at the end of the day, if you study it carefully, is God-centered. In this prayer, you are saying right at the beginning, Father, right? I want to hallow your name. I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you're praying for it. You're asking God to help you. Now you're asking for these things. And because I want all of these things, I need your provision. I need your pardon. I need your protection. I need you, O oh Lord, to meet my needs so that I can live my life wholly and solely for you. In other words, it means bless me so that I may bless your name. That's what you're asking, actually. That's what Jesus is teaching us. And he concludes, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's the heartbeat of the Lord's prayer. It's God-centered. Now, you see, the prayer ends emphatically with amen. Amen. We've said amen so many times in our life. Do you know what amen means? Now, amen is an expression of committed confidence that declares, so shall it be. So Jesus teaches us to end our prayers this way. Amen. It's an emphatic yes. It means true, firm, solid, certain. Uh, if you like Singlish, it pretty much means confirm plus guarantee chop. Amen. You're declaring definitely yes. That's the truth. So you realize this, right? By definition, whenever you end your prayers with amen, right? Truly, truly, amen. You are actually already asking very boldly in prayer. If you ever end with amen, that's a bold prayer. If your prayer is not bold, you could actually start your prayer with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then you just end off with, Father, I'm done already. Good night. Bye-bye. Don't need to end with amen. Right? So why are we able to come before God and say, Amen, like that? How are we able to end so boldly? It's because we ask in Jesus' name. Elsewhere, Jesus teaches us this, Ask the Father in my name and I will give it to you. That's why Christians pray in Jesus' name. Yet strangely though, you might have wondered, not sure if you realize this, in the Lord's Prayer, there is no mention of Jesus' name. And do you know why is that? Have you ever wondered why? Now listen, because the fact that the prayer is in Jesus' name is already implicit in a given address, Father. Only those who look to Jesus and go to God through Him as the Savior have any right to call God as Father. It is Jesus, the truly obedient Son, who enables all of us to come to Him right, to our Heavenly Father in intimacy. It is Jesus who allowed us to please the Father by simply walking in faith. It is Jesus who made a way for us to rejoice on Father's Day, knowing that all of us have the best Father ever. Now, because of Jesus, we have a Father who knows what we, His children, need even before we ask. We didn't have such a Father before, right? Many of us appreciate our earthly fathers, but none of our earthly fathers are perfect. Those of us who are fathers, we're not perfect either, right? We don't have a perfect heavenly, we'll have a perfect father, but Jesus brought his perfect father to us to become 
our Father. And only when we come to know our need for Jesus do we come to realize our other needs before our great heavenly Father. Now I want to say this to those of you who are watching this live stream, this sermon, and you're not a Christian. I've been doing that for the past few Sundays. And if you're not a Christian and you're hearing this, and today you sense that God is calling you this Father's Day. Right, I say to you today, come to God and embrace Him as your Heavenly Father. Where your greatest needs are met, come to Him through Jesus in prayer. Pray in Jesus' name and He would hear you. Give your life to Him today. And this eternal relationship with your Father is yours to possess forever. And for all of us in Agape, you know, today is the day where we come to our Father knowing that He cares for our needs as He so taught us to today's sermon. Our provision, our pardon, our protection. If you know that you are His son, you are His daughter, today is the day to run to your Father for your needs. Rejoice in Him because He delights in you. And when you take time to pray to Him, it literally is a happy Father's Day for Him for He delights in you. You know, this past three weeks, I've exhorted all of you to be praying the Lord's Prayer daily. And this coming week, I exhort you to do the same. But this time, with a greater emphasis on these three needs that you've just learned about today. Your provision, your pardon, protection. And if you are a parent, right, a father, a mother, I exhort you, Teach the Lord's Prayer to your children as well. Teach them to memorize it. So that even after this sermon series, they will remember it. And that it will serve as an anchor for their prayer lives into the future. Now as we conclude this sermon series as a church, let's look to the heavens and declare in adoration, Happy Father's Day to our Heavenly Father. Let's bow our heads in prayer.